Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello, and welcome to a live episode of The Metrospective. I'm Ted Berg, joined by Tim Britton from Oakland as the Mets get set for a three-game series against the A's. We will take questions from listeners when they make their way into the queue or pep up in the chat. But before we do, Tim, first, first, hello. Hello, Ted. What's up? Uh, I have a a handful of questions, but one uh, is something that I think will come up a bunch today. Um, I I suspect we're going to get a lot of time. uh, We're going to get a lot of questions about the last few spots on the Mets postseason roster. They clinched uh, on Tuesday uh, when we uh, before we spoke or after we spoke. They clinched. They're they're going to the postseason. We know that we don't know for sure uh, what seed they'll be yet. They got to hold off the Braves. It looks like they're safe over the AL Central winner, presumably presumably the Cardinals. Um, And the Cardinals have clinched it already. Uh, Either way, Um, they're going to the postseason. They're going to have to pick a roster, uh, and it's going to come down to some some decisions like. You know, do they carry Terrence Gore to do what he does, or do they take a 13th pitcher, or do they take a, a second right-handed bat, etc.? Who makes that call? Like We talk a lot about that call, but who is making that call here? So right before we get to this, I do have one completely non-baseball question that you, my co-host who has appeared on Jeopardy, I feel like might know the answer to, because it okay. struck me last night while I was driving in the Bay Area uh, that, uh, you know, obviously... Every radio station here starts with K. You know, KNBR is the big sports talk radio station uh, out here. Uh, and, and you know, back home in New York, every radio station starts with W. Uh, and I, I believe it's like the Mississippi River is the dividing line for that. But I also don't know why we can't just choose radio station numbers that don't start with W or K. Uh, and I feel like of all the people I know, you might be the one who knows the answer to this. I have no idea. I'm embarrassed to say I have absolutely no idea. I, I was when you said that, I thought you were going to ask, where is the dividing line? And my hunch said the Mississippi, but I don't even know why I thought that it could be the continental divide for all I know. Uh, I, I don't I know that that is the case, but I don't know why that that's, that's the case. I'm sure someone does and is welcome to 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 let us know in the chat or or we could turn to Google dot com at some point. Oh, I've never, I've never tried that one. I'll, I'll, I'll give that a shot. So, so to answer your, your real question, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's a combination of people in the front office. It's not, uh, one person making a, a rule by fiat, uh, but it's, you know, the way they've made kind of roster decisions all season long, which is, uh, Billy Epler in concert with Buck Showalter. You know, the last thing Epler wants to do is to say, like, 
you know, you're you're taking Terran score on your roster and Buck Schultz being like, no, I'm never going to pinch run him if you do that. <laughs> you know, um, you, you want to have players on the roster that your manager wants to use and likes using. Uh, so they, they've got to be, you know, in, in step with that. You know, you've got other members of the front office. Certainly the analytics team is probably analyzing, uh, you know, how different guys match up against specific pitchers uh, and specific teams, you know, does is turn score more valuable against uh, certain teams versus others? Does Mark Vientos's swing match up with certain left-handed pitchers better on one team and Darren Ruff's better against another? Uh, those are the kinds of things you're looking into at this point uh, in the season, uh, the kind of scouting you're doing, advanced scouting work you're doing. But that is, it's a it's a collaborative decision from the entire front office. You want everyone on the same page with those kinds of decisions. Uh, and the Mets have been pretty good at being on the same page. I can't remember an instance where... You know, show all back in 2018, whatever it was. Yeah, 2018, Mickey Calloway would talk about, you know, people would ask, why is he playing Jose Reyes? Why is Jose Reyes on the roster? He would say, like, I can only manage the people who are here. Um, and, uh, like Jose Reyes should not have been on the roster. Uh, and Showalter has not kind of expressed that kind of exasperation with, with the players who are on his roster at any point this season. You know, it, it seemed like when we were talking about why isn't Vientos there, that Showalter was very much on board with him not being there in the, the first part of September. He was part of the conversation to not have him there. So uh, I, th- I think that's uh, that's how it goes. Well, I would guess I would say also that there is a distinction in professionalism and Buck Showalter that we've that we witnessed to date. Um, but uh, for for something like like a, a Gore decision, especially like I'm trying to consider how the analytics team would even go about trying to quantify that right like how much how much better is terrence gore than the replacement pinch runner um who has presumably has some other value elsewhere um like how much better as a runner is he and how much how much value can you assign to that over the course of a short series it's sort of a fascinating thing but to me it seems like ultimately like showalter has to be in the room making that call because like he's the guy. He's the guy who's going to deploy these weapons, and he, uh, you almost, you know. And I hate thinking like, oh, you should just let let the guy go with his gut. I don't believe that. But you almost have to say at some point, like maybe there, there's not going to be a lot of, uh, there's not going to be a great way to put math to Terrence Gore's value. I mean, I, I think you probably look at. Uh... You know what other team, how good other teams are at uh, avoiding stolen, uh, you know, preventing stolen bases. Uh, if they have maybe relievers late in games who are especially good at that, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of that relievers generally aren't very good at that. You know, closers in particular are not known for being good at preventing base stealing. Uh, you know, if if you have basically the, the closer version of Andy Pettit, uh, I don't, which I don't think exists, uh, who's got that kind of pickoff move to, to uh, dissuade someone from stealing, then maybe you don't carry Terrence Gore for that series. But And, and I think the, the debate with Gore isn't, you know, how much better is he than some other position player you're going to bring up? Uh, you know, right. may, maybe it's with a third catcher, uh, but it's probably more, you know, what's the value of Terrence Gore as a pinch runner versus a 13th pitcher on your roster? Uh, and and to me, uh, I think you know that that Gore gives you something that more than you know whether it's Trevor Williams or Tommy Hunter or Carlos Carrasco slash Taiwan Walker, whoever's not starting in that series, uh, you know Gore gives you something else that those guys probably you know those guys are probably pitching mop up innings in a postseason series. You're not expecting them to to, to participate in a high leverage moment, uh, and I think you'd rather have the guy who might help you out in a high leverage moment. 
Yeah, I think it's a good point. And looking over, you know, we talked about the roster decisions last week a little bit. I want to get to call soon. Uh, it's, it, you know, there if you assume four starting pitchers, there's like five locks to me for the bullpen in, in Diaz, Lugo, Ottavino, Gibbons, and I think now May based on how well he's been pitching lately. And then you're talking about like a seven guys for three or four spots. Um, and I don't know, it's hard to figure how that last guy is going to be so much just because you, you can spread out the innings a little bit. It's hard to figure out how that last guy is going to prove more useful in a series than a guy like Gore. Josh M has been waiting to ask a question. Josh, what is going on? Hey guys, how are you? So I know hitting coaches the last couple of years have taken up probably way more airtime than they should have. But luckily this year, we haven't heard a whole lot about Eric Chavez, which I'm thinking is a good thing. Um, what have you guys heard about how he's received by the players and what is he doing differently that has kind of cleaned up some of the gripes we've had in the past with hitting coaches? That's a good question, Josh. Thanks for it. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, the combination of Eric Chavez and Jeremy Barnes, you know, the Mets have had an assistant hitting coach for a while going back to, you know, Tom Slater was that guy for a while with, with um, Pat Russler for, for a few years. And then with Chili Davis, when he came in, when they made the change last year, it was Hugh Quattlebaum and, and, Kevin Howard, uh, with, with Chavez and Barnes, I think, you know, the, the hardest thing about being a hitting coach is like, you have a philosophy of how a team should hit, how individual guys should hit. Not every player you coach shares that philosophy. Uh, and so, uh, it's useful to ca- have kind of a broad range of expertise among, between the, the two guys you have as coaches. And Chavez has all of that playing experience. Uh, knows how to communicate with players, knows how to talk them through slumps, uh, maybe better than someone who hasn't played in the majors. You know, I, I feel like Chavez, leans a little bit more like Chili Davis that way, that that ability to, to speak with them. Whereas Barnes brings kind of the analytical side, the, the technical background can really break down and dissect a swing really well. Uh, and so there are players for whom that's that's the approach they want. You know, they're, you know, Jeff McNeil and Brandon Nimmo are looking for two entirely different things from their hitting coach. Uh, and the Mets now have two guys who can kind of cater to both sides of that. So I think that's been really helpful. And then, you know, they, they listened to the feedback they got last year on why it didn't work out with Hugh Quattlebaum and, and Kevin Howard, and they thought it was getting a little too overly detailed in terms of the advanced meetings they were having each day. Uh, and so now it's a, it's more of a laid-back advanced meeting. They're not going as deep into the stats. They've also built, a, they've changed one of the rooms in City Field to be kind of where they have the advanced meeting, which I think uh, has allowed people to kind of take it more seriously. It's, it's a, a workplace room rather than just gathering somewhere uh, for a couple minutes. So I think, you know, overall it's been uh, a, a better all-around approach for the, the offensive coaching staff and, and guys that they've been able to get used to now over the course of a season. And, and you would think with a full offseason and a full spring training, unlike they had this past year, would, would get even better going into next year. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that, except that that in, you know, in my experience, or at least in talking to guys around the league, you hear a lot that like, it's always going to be a your mileage may vary thing with hitting coaches. Some guys want tons of information. Some guys want very little. Um, and so, you know, you need to be a little bit flexible there. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's go to Daniel V, who's been waiting on the line. Daniel, what's up? So I just that, you know, obviously the division fight is going to be fun in the last couple of weeks. But looking ahead into October, is there a team that we think that, or that you guys think the Mets would want to see over another? So, you know, let's say they don't win the division. Let's say they've got to play the wild card round. Would they rather see the Phillies or the Padres going into the divisional round? Would they rather see the Braves or the Cardinals? Um, Just kind of, you know, predicting, not not predicting winning, you know, who's going to win each round, but are are there teams based on matchups and lineups and who the way we've played them this year that you think are, uh, would be an easier path uh, to the, to the championship series where we expect to see the Dodgers and then potentially the world series. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Daniel. Uh, I think you probably say out of the, you know, what there are six other teams that are kind of in postseason contention right now, I would say the Mets probably most want to face the Brewers or the Phillies. Uh, a they're the two worst teams in that list. <laughs> We've got the worst records of teams uh, in contention for the postseason. The Mets have played pretty well against both of them. I think it's four and two against Milwaukee and 14 and five against Philadelphia. Uh, the Brewers are as an offense, um, you know, are are better against right-handed pitching, but I don't think that would probably help them out against the Mets' right-handed pitching. Uh, and then the Phillies, you know, n- n- neither neither team really has the left-handed pitching to shut down uh, the Mets' offense the way maybe St. Louis does or LA in particular has. Uh, Philly, you know, the Mets have done well against Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler this year. I think they're nine and zero in games started by those guys. Uh, and they have shown throughout the season an ability to exploit or capitalize on another team's defensive mistakes. Uh, and Philadelphia offers you that. And they're, they're also not like fully healthy at the moment with, with Castellanos out for a little bit. Uh, so I, I think that's, the, and Wheeler coming back, I, I think that's the team you'd look at probably as, as most favorable in a division series. You know, St. Louis would scare me a little bit more because now they've got a couple left-handers in that rotation. Uh, they play extremely sound defense or as good a defensive team as just about anyone in baseball. Uh, they, they hit, uh, they, the lineup is versatile. They've got two MVP candidates in the middle of it. Uh, Albert Pujols is doing whatever he is, is back on a roll. So I think that that's a team I would not want to see. Uh, in a division series, you know, San Diego's the, the Mets lost the season series too. Uh, and while the Padres haven't played up to what we all expected coming out of the trade deadline, like there's the chance they, they find that, you know, you don't want Juan Soto is the best player uh, or, you know, it's probably Juan Soto and Mookie Betts are the best pl- all around players you might see in a postseason series. And you'd rather not face those guys. Uh, so I, I would probably put the, the hierarchy as, as Milwaukee slash Philadelphia ahead of everyone else. And then, and then maybe like St. Louis, San Diego, 
uh, and then Atlanta and LA are the two teams you probably want to avoid the most. Yeah, I think you want to play the the good teams. You want to play to play the bad teams and and avoid the good teams, right? Not that there are any bad teams. Not that I think it matters all that much. But yeah, you say the Phillies because we know they bad fundies. Exactly. You know, we we've seen the there have been a, a number of games where the Mets have, have fallen behind Philadelphia and they've been able to come back in various ways uh, because they they put the ball in play a lot and that is. I mean, kind of similar to, to what the Royals did to the 2015 Mets. The 2015 Mets were not a sound defensive team, and that gets exploited over the course of a longer series. Right, and and you could always face the Phillies, and and they go bombs away, and they you know, and they beat you up, and it's a very frustrating way to lose. But I think if you're if you're trying to pick a matchup, you just you can just start with the record, um, uh, especially yeah, like a team like the the Phillies has seemed. They're they're beatable in a bunch of different ways. It doesn't mean they will. The Mets will beat them. It just means that that's if you're trying to pick the most beatable team. Uh, yeah, it's the ones that have been beaten the most. Here's Daniel G. Daniel, what is up? Hey guys. So maybe a little early in the the session for for a goofy question, but we all saw Steve Gelbs as the Polish sausage the other day. Yes. And and uh, I I haven't been to City Field in in a few years, but I think they might have done like a like a first responders type race, but nothing to the the full level of gimmick that that say Milwaukee or Washington does with with their mascot race. So my question to you is, if you got to choose what mascot race the Mets should choose to go full gimmick, what should it be, and why is it the SNY broadcast crew? <laughs> this this seems up your alley, Ted. My my initial impulse would be like, I, so I think the Mets did like uh, a video version of it with like subway trains. In the no, past. forever. Uh, they they don't do that anymore. Um, so that uh, you know, my my thought was people dressed as subway trains. I'm not sure that that works. Yeah, I mean, uh, before they did the subway trains, they used to do planes, you know, because there were at, at I think Shea Stadium, it was such a hallmark of the experience that there were planes flying overhead um, that they did like a plane race around New York City, um, which then I I think got phased out uh, for for grim reasons. But uh, it uh, I I would say you know to me like the character race thing is that belongs to the brewers like i know other teams have taken it up and obviously like the the presidents in 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 washington is a whole thing um i would try to come up with an original idea if you were going to go full gimmick like when the braves unveiled the freeze uh and beat the freeze i thought that was just like the funniest thing and also like it's exciting to watch and cool and just like so, so funny to me to see this guy catching up to these like drunk dudes trying to race him. Um, so I can't think of something off the top of my head, but I would say I'd rather see them go that route, like come up with your own new thing rather than just be like, oh, we want to be more like the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, we're going to see like the uh, I think the A's do like the A's legends race. They've got different people. I think, you know, I think there's an Eckersley, maybe Ricky Henderson. Uh, I don't know who all of the, the characters are. We'll see this weekend. Uh, but yeah, like the, the beat the freeze was, uh, you know, that, that first time that the guy looked over his shoulder and face planted uh, was one of my favorite moments in recent baseball history. Uh, so I think doing something really innovative would be would be worth it. I believe the Diamondbacks also do the the team legend thing because I there is definitely a photo of me somewhere with like a a giant Randy Johnson. Is it is it just Randy Johnson running against like other versions of Randy Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Randy Johnson races like Luis Gonzalez and Mark Grace or someone. 
Um, let's see. So no one in the queue right now um, checking into the questions in the chat. It is mostly people informing us that there was a conference about 100 years ago uh, in which the U.S. was given four different call letters for the start of their radio stations. K and W uh, were the commercial radio stations with the Mississippi as the dividing line. We were correct about that. There are also N and A stations, which uh, are the the domain of the military. Well, good on, on Rocco B. Rocco Baldelli coming through with that, that knowledge. Yeah. Thank you, Rocco. <laughs> Uh, we had Daniel V coming by to ask a question, uh, which we uh, again assumed to be Daniel Vogelback, and and Rocco B here in the chat. Uh, Tim, back to the decisions we were dis- uh, discussing earlier. Oh uh, no, let's not go back to that. Let's go to Evan Gaddis, perhaps, or some other Evan G who is here uh, waiting to ask a question. I have two questions for you guys. I got one one right now question and one. One more about the Mets' future. Uh, the one right now is the uh, obviously um, uh, we saw what happened with Drew Smith the other day, um, but also we've seen the Mets give uh, Tyler McGill some trials. Um, and do you think that if the Mets are in another high leverage situation, such as uh, Wednesday, uh, do you think they're going to go back to Drew Smith or are they going to give? Uh, McGill a chance in a high leverage situation because to be honest the two times he's pitched were pretty low leverage and it's unless you think he's just going to be a a long reliever wouldn't it make sense to give him a shot in a high leverage situation and then my other question is uh, more of a future one is can you guys talk a little bit about the guys that the Mets have playing in the uh, or who are going to play in the Arizona uh, fall league well I'll, I'll take the first question first thanks Evan for both of them uh, you know, I think the, you know, I, I remember asking Buck Showalter this, uh, you know, 10 days ago when they were just talking about bringing McGill and Smith back, you know, asking, do you have the luxury of easing these guys back into big time spots or is, is the time crunch such that you just kind of kind of throw them in the deep end? And he said, yeah, like it, there's, there's not enough time to do that. So uh, we saw obviously with Smith coming in in a, a bases loaded two out situation uh, and then giving up the grand slam to Brasso. You know, McGill uh, didn't pitch particularly well his first time out. Uh, you can say it's low leverage, but it was trying to preserve a perfect game. So, um, you know, it, was, it had uh, its own kind of pressures to it. I, I think, you know, they're going to look at those guys in big spots because um, that's that's what they want to see them do in the postseason. So they're going to use the rest of the regular season as a chance to do that. You know, it's, it's not like I don't think they're going to be pitching eighth innings with one run leads uh, at this point. But, you know, the. That kind of spot for Smith the other day, you know, it's you're already down two runs uh, to see if he can get out of the inning. You know, you're you're hoping going into that that this is a chance for him to get some confidence uh, by getting a big out. Uh, and instead, obviously, it goes as badly as it could have. But I think that, you know, they're going to throw those guys into the fire uh, because that's the only way to find out whether they've got anything. Because it, it, you're right. If you're if you're going to pitch Tyler McGill only in low leverage or only as a long reliever, you're probably better off just taking Trevor Williams because he's done that all season and he's done it very well. You know, you want to see what ceiling there is for those two guys uh, before you get into October. And then on the the Arizona Fall League, uh, I'll be honest, I haven't paid too close attention to it. I don't I don't think I've seen that any of their their major prospects are going there. So that is that is something I will probably do more research on uh, if and when the Mets season comes to an end. That that'll be uh, more of a project for then. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I pulled up the roster. Uh, 
they like their number 11 prospect Mike Vassell, Grant Hartwig number 22 prospect it, it's not um it's not a lot of the top guys and big names so i'm not sure your your priorities are off if you're focused on the the big league club as it proceeds to the postseason i want to add though just in terms of uh, like giving mcgill and smith high leverage innings i'm all for it but right now they gotta win these games right because if you can't hold off the braves in the division you you have a much harder road in the postseason so like it's lovely to be able to assess how well tyler mcgill is gonna is gonna play in a big spot but like ultimately if that's a big spot you need Lugo or Adovino or Givens or you know someone who who can who you know can do that. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I don't think it's eighth inning one run game situations. Uh, I think, look, uh, tenth inning runner on second. I think that's a spot you might see McGill. I think they they like his strikeout stuff in, in spots like that. That's probably as high leverage as it would get for him at this point. Otherwise, you're talking sixth and seventh inning big spots like like the Brassell one the other day with Smith. You know. It's. I know it's weird to think about it this way because it feels so important in, in the moment. But the the leverage index on that Brasso at bat is was probably relatively low uh, because the Mets' chances of coming back were relatively low. Uh, and and one thing when when I've talked to relievers this year uh, and asked them kind of how they're feeling in September, a lot of them have said, you know, I feel as fresh as I've ever felt this month because I haven't been over, I haven't been used excessively this season. And one of the reasons one reliever told me is because you know Showalter doesn't really chase wins all the time. You know, you can't if you're putting in uh, Ottavino or Lugo in every game, you're down to nothing like that. Uh, that that's that's going to add up really fast. So I think those are the situations they're looking for, kind of those not necessarily high leverage, but medium leverage spots where, OK, it's a it's a, a two run game in the fifth or sixth inning. You're behind. Uh, can McGill or Smith eat you innings to get you you know, into the back end of your bullpen and give your offense a chance to catch up? I think those are the uh, those are the spots they're really looking for. Uh, for the postseason uh, as guys to kind of bridge between your starter uh, and your your set bullpen, your A bullpen for a given night. I think that's a, a good place to wrap up and maybe an instructive way to move forward. Let's not necessarily chase the wins this week. We have to keep ourselves fresh for the postseason. That's one way to put it, yeah. <laughs> Tim, until next time, peace out. Adios.